Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. As campaigns for the 2020 presidential election begin to heat up, the issue of climate change has once again moved to center stage. Historically, it began as global cooling during the 1970 Earth Day festivities. A variety of scientists, pseudoscientists, and celebrities predicted that by the year 2000, the Earth would have cooled about 11 degrees, initiating a new ice age with mass starvation and the extinction of 75% of the Earth's animal species. So here are some notable predictions from that day 39 years ago. Senator Gaylord Nelson said, quote, Dr. S. Dylan Ripley, secretary of the Smithsonian Institute, believes that in 25 years, somewhere between 75 and 80 percent of all the species of living animals will be extinct, close quote. Barry Commoner, Washington University biologist, said, and we quote, We are in an environmental crisis which threatens the survival of this nation and of the world as a suitable place of human habitation. And George Wald, a Harvard biologist, who I actually happened to have met many years ago, he said, and I quote, Civilization will end within 15 to 30 years unless immediate action is taken against problems facing mankind. Does this all sound familiar? Well, I guess it should, because we're hearing the same dire predictions today from a new set of actors with the same agenda, the establishment of a tyranny by the collectivist elite to destroy the economy and sovereignty of the United States and to eliminate the individual freedom of its citizens. Of course, it doesn't matter that the apocalypse predicted in 1970 did not take place. Earth's temperature actually rose a bit, so the storyline became global warming. And when the temperature stopped rising, the only option left was just plain climate change, which includes absolutely everything that can possibly transpire. Since Earth and our solar system were formed, the climate on our planet has been constantly changing, fluctuating between extreme heat and freezing cold. For many of those millions of years, the Earth was predominantly inhospitable to animal or plant life. 
it is generally believed that an explosion of life occurred during the Cambrian period about 541 to 485 million years ago. Toward the end of the Permian period, about 299 to 252 million years ago, a mass extinction event of unknown cause occurred that killed 90% of marine life and 70% of terrestrial life. That was followed by the Mesozoic era, 252 to 66 million years ago, known as the Age of the Dinosaurs, which ended with another mass extinction event. Our age, the age of mammals, the Cenozoic, started about 66 million years ago. And during that period, even up until 20,000 years ago, fluctuations of temperature and climate produced warm periods and many ice ages. North America, where we are sitting right now, was at times covered by glaciers several miles high and the average surface temperature was in the 50 to 60 degree range. Those glaciers formed our Appalachian mountain chain and covered what is now the city of Montreal with an ice sheet two miles high. About a thousand years ago, Greenland, now covered by an ice glacier two miles high, was settled by Vikings whose communities had farms, crops, and livestock. That lasted about 300 years, and then the Vikings said, my God, we got to get out of here, we're going to freeze, and they did. All of this history, including two mass extinction events, ice ages, warm periods, all occurred on our home planet without the existence of the internal combustion engine, electricity, nuclear energy, or the presence of mankind. Let's face the facts. Earth is a carbon planet, all animal and plant life, and the most, uh, and the most efficient sources of energy are carbon-based. The symbiotic partnership of animals and plants is based on the free exchange of carbon dioxide and oxygen. Neither could survive without the other. Since plants require carbon dioxide to grow, the natural result of carbon dioxide reduction would be mass starvation of all animal species, including humans. The levels of atmospheric carbon dioxide have diminished by 90% over the past 150 million years. One could rationally argue, therefore, that carbon dioxide emission from man's use of fossil fuels has prevented the extinction, the extinction of all life on our planet. Strict adherence to the scientific method over the past centuries has led to the amazing discoveries that enrich human existence today. To be valid, scientific study must remain pure and uninfluenced by the agendas and beliefs of government and religion. Galileo, for example, was charged with heresy because he proved and promoted the ideas of Copernicus that the earth and planets orbited the sun. It was the belief of the church that all heavenly bodies revolved around the earth. Climate change is the new religion of today, complete with its revered priestly leaders preaching abstinence and salvation to their congregations of the obstinately faithful 
whose belief is impervious to facts and logic. So when I hear it said that climate change caused by man is settled science, it is my duty to vigorously object. Climate deniers, climate change deniers, are the heretics of our era. I am proud to be one. My guest on Freedom Forum Radio today has been our guest before, Bob Kappelman. He was the Director of Legislative and Regulatory Affairs at JEE, the Jacksonville Electric Authority. He's assisted clients in the understanding of the economic impacts of new energy and environmental legislative and regulatory initiatives. He has helped his clients develop and implement strategies to deal with emerging issues such as the EPA's New Source Review Initiative, the reauthorization of the Clean Air Act, and climate change. He has written numerous technical and policy papers on energy and environmental issues. He was the environmental manager for Plains Electric in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He is the chairman of the American Public Power Association's Energy and Clean Air Task Force. He is the past chairman of the Florida Electric Power Coordinating Group's Environmental Committee. He got a Bachelor of Science degree from Stetson University and uh, also a Master's Degree in Environmental Engineering from the University of Florida. His graduate research area was atmospheric photochemistry. He is a registered professional engineer in the state of Florida. I think he knows something about climate change, and that's why it's a total pleasure for me to have Bob Kappelman on Freedom Forum Radio. Dr. Dan, it's a pleasure for me to be here also. Well, we're going to come right back um, after this short break, and we'll be talking with Bob Kaplan about the gr- new, the Green New Deal. I've got to make sure I get that name right. This is Dr. Dan, and we're back with Bob Kaplan, Bachelor of Science, Stetson, Uni- Stetson University, Master, Master's Degree in Environmental Engineering from the University of Florida, Specialist in Atmospheric Photochemistry, a registered professional engineer. Bob Kappelman, obviously today we are going to be talking about climate change in, as a general subject, and we're going to start off with the Green New Deal and uh, let you take it from there. Well, the Green New Deal is really not that new. It was first proposed back in about 2006 by the Green Party in Europe, and uh, The current uh, resolution uh, in Congress is very, very similar to that proposal. Uh, The Green New Deal uh, basically is an attempt to deal with uh, anthropogenic or human-created climate change. And when you look at it, uh, it starts out with some assumptions that, taken at face value, are pretty striking and... uh, kind of scary until you look at them closer and then you find out, well, wait a minute, a lot of these things are not factually correct. Well, that's exactly what we want to get to. I mean, you can get a copy of this resolution 
which of course hasn't been voted on yet. Uh, but our job in this interview is to discuss this document uh, and from a scientific point of view to pick it apart. And your expertise is what we need to help us do exactly that. Okay. Probably the best thing to do is just start through the resolution and look at some of the the, the claims or the whereases uh, in this. And the first thing that strikes me is uh, – this fact that human activity is the dominant cause of climate change over the past century. Um, When you try to look at that uh, and break it apart, uh, one of the things you can go back to is the UN's uh, study of climate, the uh, International Panel on Climate Change, and they actually have made an attempt to say, well, how much is man, how much is not? And what they've come up with, and this is the latest, is about half man, half nature. And you read this and you assume that it's all man. So that's one thing. Uh, now, this is based on UN models, which the latest data indicates they do overpredict. They're, they're useful because they tell direction of things, but not absolute numbers. My question to you would be, I mean, that's a very forceful statement to make. Is there absolutely any scientific evidence that would support that, that half of this entire uh, change is due to man's activity? Well, actually not. There, it's, it's by models, and they break it down. And again, these are drivers because we know carbon dioxide absorbs heat, so that makes sense. Um, But they say that only about a third of the warming is due to greenhouse gases. They say about 15% is due to land use changes, which we know that that can actually have something. If you eliminate rainforest, you eliminate trees, etc., you build a city, you have a heat island effect, you can change the climate on a on a micro or meso scale with human development, but to take the models and then say now I've got an absolute number, in this case fifty percent, uh, that is basically based on a model and the assumption. Now one of the assumptions in the model is that carbon dioxide is a major driver of a warming uh, atmosphere. Uh, there's a lot of other scientific data out there that indicates it may not be a major driver, and in fact, it's a minor driver. Uh, there's a lot of truth in the UN data, but you have to basically dig it out. Uh, one of the things that the UN clearly states is that the climate sensitivity, in other words, there's a, a factor that says if I double the CO2 in the atmosphere, what effect will that have by the year 2100? And the range goes uh, from a low of about one and a half degrees centigrade to a high of somewhere between six, seven, sometimes eight degrees centigrade. Tremendous range. Now, if you look at the natural rate of change, just Mother Nature bringing us out of the, the Ice Age, it's about one degree per 100 years. So what the model is saying 
if you t- look at the whole thing, is the change could be anywhere from a little bit above the normal increase in temperature all the way up to Armageddon. Uh, but even the UN says they don't think Armageddon will happen, but it could. So the politicians, of course, take Armageddon to develop their public policy. And that's the biggest thing that comes out when you take the science and then put a political spin on the science. You end up with information that makes uh, bad public policy decisions. And this is what, uh, when you look through the Green New Deal, the assumptions are all made on a absolute worst case from models that are directionally correct, but definitely overestimate uh, human impact. And most people that understand the models agree with that. So what really we're looking at here is if what I've read uh, is true, and I assume it is, that there are natural cycles of hot and cold that do occur on Earth. Isn't that true? Yeah, and the thing is, people, most people that have had a basic geology course know that we came out of the last ice age 25,000 years ago, and the assumption is Mother Nature is a gentle creature, and we're just having this gradual increase. But in fact, if you go look at the geologic records and also bring in the anthropologist and the archaeologist, especially when you study, you mentioned the Vikings, the Vikings are one of the prototype adapters to climate change. They came to Greenland. My gosh, this is better farming than Scandinavia. Made their farms. It started getting colder. They went to herding. Got even colder. Went to hunting. Got even colder. Went back to Iceland and Scandinavia. It got too cold. That happened in a spectrum of uh, hundreds of years, three, four hundred years, a whole civilization tried to adapt to climate change, eventually had to leave. That's a, that's a relatively short period of time. There's also some geologic records that you've got things that happen in decades, not hundreds of years. So the, the myth that Mother Nature's a gentle creature and the climate changes gradually, no, it's a it's a uh, almost like a jigsaw of up and down uh, going in a direction of warmer. It's kind of interesting. There, there's certainly plenty of other data, historical data, that would prove that point. I've, For instance, regions in Europe where grapes could be grown for wine, all, it changes from north to south based upon climate. And there were periods of time when grapes for wine were grown much further north than they are now, uh, and that is all the result of a natural change in climate. The internal combustion engine was not around when the Vikings were on Earth or during the 19th century. It is uh, remarkable that you have so few geologists involved in the UN science. Uh, Solar scientists are very a dearth of them. Also, uh, archaeologists and anthropologists that can actually tell us how man was living at those times. And, and you're correct. When you look at their lifestyle changes that have changed directly with climate, you, you see the evidence. 
but that is not incorporated in, in the models. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. People, I just love to hear that old man sing. Yeah, when I play the hoochie-coochie man I get joy in everything Everything, everything Everything gonna be all right this morning Whoosh.